Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to the off-season edition of the DFS Dreamer Podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I am Wes, one of your hosts, at Lovinet on Twitter. Don't forget to follow the show, at FI Today, with a little underscore. I believe both of those accounts are surpassing 10,000, Pierre. I got to get you over there to the 10,000 mark, my buddy, uh, at Pee <laughs> on Twitter. We got to get you over there. No, I'm good. I don't, I don't need followers. <laughs> I, I don't need that, baby. It comes a lot of pressure and you got to interact. So I'm, I'm good, but I thank you. I thank you. 10,000 is a good milestone. So congrats to both. I know you're really active um, over there with really both of your accounts. So it's, it's really good to see. I'll let you do all the, the dirty work though. And, Keep all the followers to yourself. <laughs> well, they say when you get to the 10,000 mark, you open up a whole new algorithm and it just gets pushed out there further. So I do like to use the Fantasy Impact Today account as a retweeting of people's uh, materials that are out there that are doing a fine job that have supported us throughout mm-hmm. the seasons of DFS Dreamers and Fantasy Impact Today. And so I like to give them, I like to reciprocate by retweeting or quote tweeting or anything like that their work as well because they do put a lot of work into it. It's not easy. Do Doing a podcast, and you and I even talked twelve minutes before the podcast. We we talked about the Bible. We talked about UFOs. We talked, <laughs> we talked about a lot of crazy stuff. We, maybe we should open that up to the to the uh, people who pay for the uh, edition. Hey, it's a it's a big world. There's a lot going on, but I don't know if we want to jump into that just no, yet. No, 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 no. Hey, Pierre, I do want to say one thing to you though. I want to see if you under, know what this one means. If I tell you, my friend, because it was Easter this past weekend, if uh-huh. I say to you, "He is risen," do you know what to say in response to that? I usually say amen, but I don't know if there's something in particular you want me to say. <laughs> no, amen is a good one. Amen means I agree, of course. And that's something that you and I both know. I agree with that. And he has risen. Jesus has risen. Uh, but you also say he is risen indeed. That is an old church tradition for a long time from way back when, because it's just he is risen. He is risen indeed, the congregation would say in response to that, uh, as they support that phrase of he is risen. Really a, a, a crazy, crazy thing if you think about all the stuff the Bible has to say, and one of the things that it has to say is about Jesus being risen from the dead. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm still on my Easter high, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it's the Starburst jelly beans talking or if it's just the passion from the Lord uh, there, just getting me all fired up each and every day since Easter. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great. I'm glad we have a discussion. You know, it's not about, you know, the Easter bunny and candy. Um, it is about, you know, for us, you know, Christian followers, you know, Christ being risen and being alive. Even today, uh, which is where our hope, you know, really comes from throughout the, the whole Christianity is the fact that we do believe he is alive. He is living. He, he is risen. He's living in this world today. So uh, good conversation. Good passion for sure. Um, glad we're talking about discussing it. So good, good topic. Good topic. <laughs> it is. And that's what brought us together, really. Uh, I was a Christian. And I'm on Twitter and I'm brand new to it. I'm in the podcasting game and everything like that. Kind of seeing people. And I don't know how I ran across your Twitter feed, but I did. And I'm going to say it was the providence of the Lord, of course. He was this kind of stepping in and directing us and guiding us. <laughs> and you and I have now developed a friendship for uh, from what, 600 miles away from each other that we talk each week and we you know reciprocate back and forth over on Twitter, but I saw your Twitter picture on there, your banner, and it's, it's got a picture of the cross. I, and I think the first tweet I ever sent you or whatever it is, DM I ever sent you was, I like your, I like your banner. It was, it was. And it's strange because I'd always, 
you know, thought about podcasting. You've seen others do it. You, you listen to some and just never really knew how to, to kind of get it started. And so the fact that you reached out to me and that was why you reached out, um, I just felt was more than just a coincidence uh, in my beliefs. So it was just really unique that that's kind of what, what ties us together. And, you know, we're going on a few years strong here and I think it's just getting stronger and stronger. Our, our friendship, our relationships, you know, the podcast is growing a bit and it's just been a, a fun journey, a fun ride. And it's, it's just unique uh, that it started with a, a cross photo that I have uh, as my banner. And one of these days we'll meet up at a local waffle house as you travel from your house to <laughs> Florida. We'll, we'll do that one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it gets cold up here in Indiana. And oh, I know. I know. It, it's so long. Like, we have plenty of opportunity because your state is so long to get through <laughs> that there's a couple pit stops that could be made in that six, seven hours that it takes to get through Alabama. Speaking of pit stops, that's what we're doing. We're stopping each and every week and taking a look at some of these roster changes that happened in the NFL this past offseason. And we have moved over to NFC North, my home division. My home division, even though it keeps changing names on me, it feels like each and every year. And I'm not sure who even who's in the division anymore sometimes per year. But uh, we're going to do that. We're going to go over some of the NBA playoffs, and then we're going to round up with the uh, MLB league leaders is what we're going to do, like we're trying to do each and every week here on the off season. Now, Pierre, we're over on my Chicago Bears. It was the first team that I thought of in the NFC North, so we might as well go over there and discuss their roster real quick and look at some of the changes that happened because there were some changes that occurred, and of course, you're the expert on here. I'm just a talker is what I am, but I am so <laughs> excited for Justin Fields this year. I think he played pretty well last year. Of course, it's a new coaching regime as well, and mm -hmm. I, I think it's time for him to fly. Well, I think the new coaching regime is the, the big piece of that. You know, no more uh, Matt Nagy. He now moved over to Matt Eberflusch, who he actually got from my coach. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator there, but it's going to be a big year for, for Fields. Um, he did lose maybe not his top weapon anymore, but, you know, Allen Robinson went out to, to join the Rams, and that's going to open up a lot of things for Darnell Moody, who I think is going to take over as that number one right receiver, mm -hmm. uh, barring you know some some drastic you know draft picks being taking place. But yeah, big 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 year for Justin Fields. Um, highly rated, you know. Last year, some said you know he was number two behind Lawrence uh, when it came to the the top rookies uh, quarterbacks. Obviously, Zach Wilson was picked two, but there were many that thought Fields was the second best quarterback in that class. Uh, he'll get a chance to show it again. New coaching regime. Uh, have a new, you know, playbook. Uh, hopefully he'll get the aired out a bit. He has some rushing upside. And again, hopefully we'll see how those weapons kind of play out with Mooney. Uh, obviously the backfield with, you know, guys like Montgomery and we'll just see, we'll see. I like fields. Uh, not sure how Ohio state quarterback history is really done, yeah, uh, but he, he, he's got a pretty big year coming up for him and I hope he does well. He seems like a good guy. And with Darnell Mooney going into that wide receiver one position, I think that that's okay because last year we never really saw Allen Robinson play too much anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So he was already the wide receiver one on the field. So I think those statistics are going to be equal, at least, at best, if not raise up just a little bit because there is a new offense in town. I'm not really encouraged by the secondary weapons that Justin Fields has in the wide receiver's position with Brian Pringle or, or St. Brown. Equimius, is that how I say it? Equimius, St. Brown. There's <laughs> nobody else after that. Yeah, there's nobody else after that, okay? So <laughs> I do look at this as being a running system, especially when I look at that Indianapolis Colt team and how it was built. Maybe it is going to be David Montgomery's season because last 
last year, the Colts really focused in on Jonathan Taylor, and they saw the prize possession they had in that, and it takes some of the, the, the pressure off of Justin Fields. I'm really hoping it's going to be a David Montgomery season. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think he's a second-round running back myself, personally. That's what I think. Yeah, I like I like Montgomery quite a bit. Um, I actually like Herbert um, as well. Like I know, mm-hmm. yes, he got some opportunity when Montgomery was was kind of hurt early on, and I thought he looked really good. Um, so we'll see how they kind of do that with the backfield. I'm not sure if they'll they'll split it, maybe a 60-40, uh, But I think Khalil Herbert has to get an opportunity. He has to get a chance. I thought he ran really well, really hard. Um, you got, you look at, you know, Pringle, you know, he, he's coming from a, a Kansas city chiefs team where he could have been arguably like the, the third guy, you know, you look at obviously Tyreek Hill at the time, Kelsey, uh, it was really a toss up who that next guy was in that offense. And oftentimes it was Pringle, um, not McCole Hartman, who many thought it would be. So, I mean, Pringle could be interesting, uh, there on the outside as well. The tight ends, you know, you expect Cole Komet to maybe take that next leap. Uh, with him, he was a high draft pick out of Notre Dame. I think they got James O'Sonnesy from from Jacksonville. So he'll have some weapons. It's not the explosive big names, uh, but they'll, they'll get chances, and hopefully he gets an opportunity uh, to hit those guys in a new offense, get them open, and, and see how it kind of plays out. I like what you said about Herbert. He's going to be one of those zero RB running backs. I think that'll be pretty valuable. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a good stash because we know David Montgomery's injury history, and yeah. we know how the Colts, like in the Colts' past, have liked to use two running back systems. And they kind of have that running back, that bruiser, that banger, and then they got the the little Naheem Hines ish kind of guys. And so I, I do like what you said about. Uh, Herbert, let's go over to what your your wife's Green Bay Packers, Pierre. This is like your second team too, isn't it? It is. It is. They've they've kind of been adopted as my second team. <laughs> uh, believe they have part ownership of the the Bears as well. Oh, uh, no, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Uh, some big changes happened there. Of course, Devontae Adams leaving is huge. That's a huge hole yeah, that's, that's left there. Change. Uh, but there are some rumors floating around in the NFL today that broke here on on Wednesday afternoon, 420, I believe today is, that Debo Samuel has put his foot down and said, I want to be traded. I do not want any more money from you guys. I want to be traded. I don't like the Cordero Patterson role at all. Get me out of here. Yeah, it uh, came out today. He He's asked to, to be traded. That doesn't mean he will be. Uh, he's still under er, under contract. Oftentimes you do you know, see the the team go ahead and cave and, you know, get the best package they can for these guys. But, I mean, you got to think that the the Niners need Devo Samuel. They got a young rookie themselves that they're going to hand the keys over to and Trey Lance. So you you have to expect Debo to be an important part of that. But I get it from his side of things as well. You know, he kind of turned into a hybrid running back, uh, which he was really good at. But that takes its toll um, on your body. And you're looking at you being a – in your mind, one of the top receivers in the league, you don't want to get banged up like you're a running back because they have a shorter shelf life. And a lot of those guys, you know, don't get bigger contracts. And if they do, you know, they, they tend to fall apart early on in that, that contract, as you've seen with Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, et cetera. So we'll see what they, they kind of do there. There'll be a lot of interested suitors. I'm sure, you know, the Packers will be one, you know, losing Devontae Adams. They have two first round picks now. They were willing to pay Adams if he was willing to, to play there. So uh, he'll be on the radar. Teams like the, the Jets will be on the radar, I'm sure. So it'll be an interesting development to see, one, if San Francisco does actually move him. 
Um, and then two, who's willing to give up the the type of compensation that you saw the the Raiders give up for Devontae Adams, the the Dolphins give up for Tyreek Hill? Because that's going to be what it takes to get someone like Debo. I bet you Jerry Jones was on the phone pretty fast, my friend. Jerry Jones was probably. <laughs> hey, Aaron Rodgers is still there, though. Uh, he's going to be a lifelong Packer, it looks like, unless something happens over the next couple of years where they decide to move on. But I think the Jordan Love experiment that they saw the first couple of games whenever there was a uh, <laughs> uh, Aaron Rodgers COVID issue, a situation, I think that they said, OK, we got to keep Aaron or else we got no shot here. Yeah, he was he was a big. I mean, he's a, the MVP. Uh, he's he's talented. You can't deny that uh, on the field. It'll be interesting. I think the the Adams dynamic is going to be very interesting for the Packers because you're going to get a an idea if 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 Rogers is as good as everyone thinks he is, or if Adams was helping him out, and then vice versa. You can get an idea of how good Adams is once he's there with with David Carr, with, um, Derek Carr, who's still you know a pretty solid quarterback himself. But um, I believe in Rogers. I, I think he's talented. We've seen games. Uh, where Devontae has missed and the, the Packers are, are still, you know, playing really well, top level. I think he spreads the ball out a little bit more and finds open receivers uh, without Adams on the field. The the question is going to be if they can catch it. <laughs> That's going to be the, the big key. But they, they got Sammy Watkins. You know, they brought him in. We'll see if he can stay healthy. Probably not, but we'll see. Um, Amari Rogers, an early pick that they had last year. Uh, it's there, you know, you got aging Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, probably the wide receiver one currently. Uh, but I expect them to, to finally uh, spend a draft pick in that first round uh, on a wide receiver if they don't go out and, and trade for uh, an already known name themselves. I think we're gonna we're not gonna see Aaron Rodgers pitchers in Hawaii during the draft this year. We're not, he's going to be in the draft room himself making the call. Okay, that's what's gonna end up happening. Uh, their running backs. I love their running backs, and I really <laughs> believe uh, that that the Green Bay Packers want to become a running team. It, it seemed to me like they were a pass first to run second. You know, but they they love to grind out the clock. They love to do that. They love to keep the the clock just moving, moving, moving. And Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon there to me, are a strange combination because I know A.J. Dillon's going to go second, but he's not going to go that far behind. I don't want to say that far behind Aaron Jones because there's going to be some people who still believe in Aaron Jones. But to me, that was almost A.J. Dillon's backfield, man, last year. I mean, they both they both almost ran for 1,000 yards. But, yeah, I think Dillon's obviously the the younger back. He's the the bigger, you know, back. He's, the, he's more the thunder. Whereas <laughs> you look at Aaron Jones be the lightning, but – Another thing to take into account without Adams is the the involvement that Aaron Jones has in the passing game whenever Adams is out. So mm. a lot of Aaron Jones' bigger fantasy, you know, type of, of outputs have taken place when Devontae Adams has been sidelined, and that's because they use him more, you know, in the passing game. So I would look for that to, to kind of be the case as well. Um, they might do some, you know, two-back sets. Similar to how, you know, we were talking about the Colts, how they, you know, had Taylor and Naive Hines. You can see the same thing where both Dylan and Aaron Jones are, are in the backfield together and they use Aaron Jones more, you know, coming out of the backfield as a pass catcher uh, to get him involved and out in open space and using, you know, A.J. Dillon more as a, the bruiser. So I think it could actually work um, out in their favor uh, to have both of those guys right now just because they do bring a different dynamic uh, on the field. Boy, it's going to be weird not to see Devontae Adams on the Green Bay Packers. Very much so. Uh, You should be thankful because you don't have to worry about it. 
I am. I am. Okay, I am. Uh, but it's just, I, as a football fan, and I love my Bears and all, but I, I love to watch greatness as well mm-hmm. on the football field. And Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams, there was there. there's hardly been any wide receiver combination to me that has been be- more, that has been better to watch. I, I mean, you got Montana to Rice. Yes, okay. That was 10 <laughs> yards down the field. But this one, those... Rodgers and Adams well, I had, I had, I had and Harrison as well so I had a pretty good one here yeah. for a while but yeah you're right like they were they knew what each other was thinking but they, they, the ball was out of his hands before Devontae was even coming out of his route so again that's going to be the unique dynamic is kind of how they make up for that chemistry that's not going to be there anymore Yep, tight end situation. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, Detroit Lions. Let's go to that depth <laughs> chart. Uh, we got Jared. Yeah, talk about there. Bobby Tunyon. Oh, well, Tunyon. Indiana okay. State. But yeah, oh, go ahead. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Over, we got Jared Goff still as the quarterback for the Detroit Lions. No competition there. I think he's going to be that uh, quarterback that they have. Did I, I don't want to say Jared Goff was terrible last year. He's not necessarily going to be somebody you want to wait around in the draft room for, but Jared Goff <laughs> played all right. The running back situation is the crazy one to me with DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams. DeAndre Swift is such a question mark to me, Pierre, going into the next redraft season just because mm-hmm. the injuries are there. Injuries are there every single year, and I know we can't predict injuries. Injuries, but man, mm-hmm. that has to be in the back of somebody's mind when they think about taking DeAndre Swift at the hype that's going to always be surrounding him. Oh, yeah. I mean, you see it with Christian McCaffrey, who's, you know, one of the best backs in the NFL. Folks are now, you know, getting a little nervous uh, where he, he may not be a, a top, you know, one or two picks because of his injuries. So it's going to be the same with, with Swift where you'll have some some folks that hesitate. But I mean, the talent's still there. As you stated, you can't predict, you know, injuries. If for somehow he stays healthy, then you're going to miss out if you don't have him. Uh, I do think they'll go more Swift uh, than they will with Jamal Williams. Uh, both good players, but you look at Swift, he's, what, 23? Yeah. Jamal Williams, 27. So I think if, if Swift's healthy, he's going to he's gonna be the, the workload more so than Jamal Williams out of that backfield. That wide receiver room seems crowded now because they did add DJ Chark. He's there. They still have Josh Reynolds. Amon Rossay Brown, he is still there. And, and made a huge impact last year. I think that this, with DJ Shark there, do you think that Jared Goff is going to be able to get him the ball? Where, where, Where is DJ Shark going to go in his draft rooms? Is he, I, don't, I don't know who to draft where on these uh, wide receivers for Detroit. I think Amon Rossay Brown is probably the, the safe one. Um, I, I feel like he, he really had a connection there late. Uh, both with Goff um, as well as the the backup that came in there that's kind of running off my my mind right now. But St. Brown's definitely the the guy that folks are going to target. He's probably going to go early. Um, you got to think at, at Shark, he's coming off the injury as well. So it could take him a little bit uh, to get going, to get comfortable, um, in addition to get familiar uh, with Goff. Um, Tim Boyle was the backup I was thinking of, by the way. Uh, but I do think I'm on Ross St. Brown's probably the, the safe bet. Uh, Shark. I mean, you can take him. He had some 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 solid uh, seasons there with with Jacksonville. Uh, again, you talk about injuries. He's coming off one, so will he be able to stay durable? Uh, that's going to be a big thing. Uh, what they do in the drafts also going to be interesting to see what what happens there. They could technically go quarterback themselves. I don't think they will, but you know, there's a bunch of guys in this draft. But I'm on Ron St. Brown's the only one I'm comfortable with. After that, you got you know Khalif Raymond, you got Shark. Those guys are, are still going to be battling for targets. Uh, we're not even talking about Hawkinson, who should be back and healthy as well. 
who's just still some targets away. So I'm on Ross St. Brown's the only one I'm I'm comfortable with right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And TJ Hawkinson is going to be that same old TJ Hawkinson as always. You want him to do well. All right, let's go over to Minnesota real quick. Here we're going to wrap this uh, football <laughs> one up. Kirk Cousins. He's Kirk Cousins. That's what he is. <laughs> and, and he is what he is. Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madsen, they stay similar and they stay in the same place. Next, though, Justin Jefferson. Pierre, do you think uh, that he is going to take that next step forward? We saw a great rookie season from him the first year. Last year, his sophomore season, there was no letdown. It was, once again, just a great year, and he built upon it. Uh, Do you think Mm -hmm. that he builds upon that sophomore season into his third year and just becomes, uh, I don't don't want to say Cooper (laughs) Cuppage. He just does, right? He's a a stud. He's, he's, He's arrived. He's here, and I don't see him going anywhere. Uh, as long as Cousins get him the ball, he's just going to continue. He's going to be up there with your Devontae's, your your Cups. I'm sure Chase will be there at some point, you know. So he's he's up there with those top guys already, and I, I don't see that changing um, at all. They they may want to start, you know, seeing how they can build around him a bit. You know, you got Thielen kind of getting up there in age. You know, I think he's 31 right now. He's obviously got a lot of touchdown <laughs> uh, positive uh, progression is on his side of things, but I could sure. see them maybe going out trying to get a guy to to take a little pressure off of Jefferson, given Thielen's starting to get up in Asia, even though he's still, you know, a great playmaker as well. But yeah, I think Jefferson's the, the real deal and will continue to be. I look forward to a healthy Irv Smith Jr. Hopefully, mm-hmm. even though he's one of those guys, again, that, that continuously gets hurt each and every year. So I like <laughs> Irv Smith Jr. from a fantasy standpoint as well. He's going to be one of those late board, dart throw, tight end sleepers if you don't get one of the top ones uh, there on the on the, on the the board. Yeah, he, he's definitely going to be uh, one. You don't have Conklin there uh, anymore either. So uh, he'll definitely be the, the guy that gets the opportunities. We'll see if he can take advantage of it. Uh, if not, um, uh, there's not really many tight ends out there <laughs> on the market. I know because the the Coats need one, but you know they they could turn to the draft. There's a, a couple guys in the draft. There's a a few older guys still out there, like uh, Jared Cook. Um, I know Gronk's out there, but I doubt he'll go to Minnesota. But it's going to be Irv Smith's uh, job to lose pretty much. So we'll see if he can stay healthy and, and kind of take grass of that position. Any questions, comments, or concerns that you may have about our draft or future draft analysis or our post-free uh, agency analysis, direct them over to Pierre at Wee 31 I think I think this was a, a pretty vanilla one, though. There wasn't huge changes other than teams losing people, I think, out of this NFC North division. There wasn't a lot of additions yeah. that made a big splash. So it really yeah. it's a, it might be addition by subtraction. Yeah, Maybe. nothing huge. I mean, if, if Rodgers is healthy, the Packers are going to win it anyway. So really not much to, to really go over. I just gave you like one of those Justin Timberlake looks in, <laughs> into the microphone here where, where he turns his head and he just looks at it. You know, yeah. tell me I'm wrong. I can't I, until I see it, <laughs> until I see it. Uh, but uh, so that, that check, direct them over there to Pierre at Wee 31 or at FI Today with a little underscore over on Twitter. You can send any questions, comments, concerns on that. And don't forget about following me as well at Loafing It over there on Twitter. Hey, Pierre, the, the NBA playoffs have been heating up since the last time you and I talked. Mm-hmm. All right. And they're going crazy, really. All right. Now, in the first round. And these are the best out of five or is this the best out of seven is the first round? No, it's still out of seven. In my day, best out of five was the first round. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. They used to not have a three-point line, too, I think, back in my day. (laughs) I remember that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's facts. It's facts. Trust me. I remember college not having a three-point line as well. I remember I used to watch college basketball 
before the 45 second clock, if that's what it is, a 45 second clock or whatever, 35 seconds. 35. I, I used to watch college basketball before there was a 35 second clock. That was yeah. terrible basketball. It, that was like where high the school. Dean Smith four <laughs> corners came in. You yeah, know, we, we ran that at our high school in, in uh, Anderson. We ran the four corners. But yeah, just kind of milk out the clock and wait for a good bucket. Low scoring, terrible. play defense. Terrible. But yeah, that's that's more high school. I think it's down to 30 now. I think they went from 35 to 30 just to kind of get a, sped up a bit and closer to the NBA, which is obviously 24. Terrible, though. I mean, I would have I would have punched somebody. If they were doing that to me, I would have punched them. There's no doubt. I would have fouled out quick. You've been playing back. for Bobby Knight? Man. Yeah, I, I would have. I would have. I, I wouldn't have understood the before. So the first round series here, Heat lead the series two to nothing over the Hawks. The Hawks don't have a chance in this one, do they? They don't. No, it's over. Well, that's that's easy. Okay. It is. <laughs> it is. Miami's, they're good. They're good defensively. They they had some hiccups in the regular season late. Uh, but they're they're healthy now. They're pretty loaded. You got Bam. You got Jimmy Butler, Kyle yeah. Lowry. They're just too good. They're the 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 Hawks just they don't know without Capella. John Collins is still banged up, even though he's trying. They're just they're just overmatched. And the other series right there that, that's bumping into each other. The 76ers are leading at two nothing. They're playing right now, and the Raptors are actually leading by seven tonight mm-hmm. here in game number three. Do the Raptors? Raptors have got a shot at this, but I like how the 76ers have been playing as of late. Harden has really gotten a lot more people, a lot of his teammates, more involved. It doesn't seem like he's trying to be the triple double <laughs> machine like he once was. Well, he's not getting the foul calls. Uh, like he once was either, but yeah, I, I think they're they're talented. Obviously, it runs through Embiid, who I, I feel should be the the MVP. Uh, Tyrese Maxey's been great these first mm-hmm. two games for them. Young guy there, um, so we'll we'll see how it plays out there in Toronto now. So you know that's that's why the, the Raptors are out, you know, in this game so far. But Toronto has a change. You got to remember that they they won a title. Yeah, they don't have Lowry and you know Kawhi anymore, but they they have a good team, a good coach, and Nick Nurse. Uh, you got Van Vliet, you got Siakam, so uh, they'll they'll give a, a battle, um, and that's that's kind of when the series starts. The series in the NBA don't start until a road team uh, kind of takes one, and that hasn't happened yet. And so Philly still needs to win in Toronto as well. Uh, so that, that series isn't over, uh, but if, if if Philly somehow wins tonight, it might be. But I still think Toronto has a fighting chance. I do think Philly will ultimately you know pull out in front uh, because of Embiid uh, more than Harden, but. No, it should be a good series. I don't think it'll be a sweep or anything along those lines. Raptors got a lot of big people to send out there at Embiid. I don't think it matters too much. <laughs> a lot of they fouls. Got, yeah, they got a lot of fouls to go that way. Uh, the other, uh, let's see, the other first round series there, the Celtics had the Nets. What a game one that was. Uh, I can't, I, I can't oh, believe yeah. Kyrie Irving does what he does. I, he looks like an old man, though. It looks like K- Kyrie Irving, whenever he put on the Nets uniform last year, aged about 15 or 20 years is what it looks like. He looks <laughs> old. I, and, and when I watch him, I'm going, okay, he's not that old. He's not slow. He's still got the handle. He still can shoot like anybody business i can't believe he makes some of those shots that he makes uh, <laughs> incredible but this game is uh the celtics are leading the series one nothing and right now the nets are winning there at the end of the third quarter 90 to 85 mm-hmm. yeah i mean they're good Kyrie's good i don't know you might be thinking of uncle drew that i think that's his character that he <laughs> yeah the, the old guy but i mean he's still talented uh a lot of a lot of stuff going on in that series obviously he played for the celtics a few years ago uh, requested to be traded mm-hmm. there off of that team. So that's where you, you see a lot of the back and forth with, with him and the fans currently. But uh, the Nets, I mean, they're they're good. And they, they could get Ben Simmons back. 
you know, here around game four is what they're saying. Obviously, he was a part of that Harden trade. Uh, so if they can steal one there in Boston, that series is going to get interesting because the the Nets got two of the top players in the world in, in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So they're going to have a fighter's chance, uh, see if they can get some stops defensively. Again, they need to win on the road. So if they can hang on the night, that'll, that'll go a long way. Uh, and then they might get some reinforcement with Ben Simmons, who's more of that, you know, defensive player, likes to distribute himself. I think he's actually going to fit on that team a lot better than what James right. Harden did. So we'll see how that plays out. But that should be a fun series. That, that first game, as you mentioned, was awesome. So uh, hopefully that, that continues, and hopefully it goes seven because I, I really like these two teams and how they match up against each other. Paul Westfall. It, that game was so bad, though, on defensive side of the ball for the Brooklyn Nets. Paul Westfall was yelling for defense at some point. You know, he, he doesn't believe in it. All right. <clears throat> and the Bucks are leading the series one to nothing against my Bulls. Game two is later on tonight. Uh, I don't. The Bulls don't stand a chance, Pierre. They they don't. Uncle Patoko, he's they, just he's incredible. And they, they, they got Middleton, uh, you got Drew, you got you got so oh, yeah, it's just those things. And they're still, you know, getting healthy. Like Lopez missed a lot of the year with, with back his his back surgery. And they were rolling with Portis, but Giannis is just he's ridiculous. Um he's on another level. I, the Bulls, they had a great season. Uh, I really like Zach Levine. Um he's been one of my favorite players for a while. I just like his style, his swagger. Glad they got him some help. With DeRozan, uh, not sure Vucevic is, is working out the way they thought he would, but uh, he's probably going to be the key to that series. Uh, he got a lot of open looks uh, that first game. I think he went like nine for 27, uh, Nikola Vucevic, but I do think that the Bucks will just be too much, and Giannis is just too much uh, for the Bulls, and they'll, they'll probably sweep them, I imagine. Bulls might get one at home, but they're just they're too good of a team. How do you stop Giannis? In your opinion, how do you stop Giannis? And I'll tell you how I stop him. Uh, you gotta, you gotta make him shoot jump shots. Um, it's it's difficult because he started to hit. Um, but I know if you you gotta have someone that for one can match him physically. I know Thaddeus Young uh, used to do a pretty good job on him when he was with the yeah. Pacers. Uh, but you you really just gotta back off of him, uh, kind of almost like a zone. When yeah. it comes to your defense and just kind of, you know, get people down in that lane so he's unable to drive and hope that he settles for a jump shot. If not, and he's still driving, you got to get a good position to, to take charges, which probably hurts uh, given how strong he is. But that's how you, you got to slow him down. You got to make him shoot jump shots or you just basically got to take the ball out of his hand, stop him from driving, et cetera. You become a Dennis Rodman in the league nowadays, and I think you could be a perennial Hall of Famer again because you just don't see those kind of people anymore like that. And I think Dennis Rodman would get inside of Giannis's head so easily, man. <laughs> so easy. I miss the old Dennis Rodman days. I'm going to end up going down a YouTube trail pretty soon. <laughs> Suns and Pelicans. Suns and mm-hmm. Pelicans. Uh, the Pelicans. Uh, actually won a game in this series. The Suns, who I think had the best record in the league, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that. But mm-hmm. the Pelicans won, the, won a game in this series, an eight seed over a one seed. Uh, this is a, that's unique to me, Pierre. <laughs> well, this is going to get interesting because part of the reason that happened was Devin Booker got hurt last mm-hmm. night. He, he hurt his hamstring. Uh, he had 31 points in the third quarter when this happened. Uh, it's possible that the, the Pelicans may have still you know, won anyways. They were playing really well. Uh, really good team, you know, young yep. coach and Willie Green there uh, doing it without Zion as well. Uh, but this series is is, is going to get really interesting now with Booker. He's been ruled out, um, I'm pretty sure, Friday and potentially Sunday as well with a hamstring issue. 
you know, Chris Paul's up in age, not sure he can, you know, lead a team uh, on his back like he, he was able to in his younger days. So this is now shifting back to New Orleans. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. Um, I didn't think it was going to be much of a series uh, if the Suns could stay healthy. But now that Booker's out, uh, the Pelicans have a chance here, and, and they could end up, you know, taking out the Ooh. number one seed. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> it's going to be – Chris Paul walking off the court again like that, man. <laughs> well, and the 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 interesting part is Zion. So he's not playing, but if you've listened mm. and watched reports, he's he says he's ready to play, and it's more the team's decision to not allow him to play. But if they somehow beat the the Suns and get to the next round, I'll be interested to see if they continue to to not allow him to play if he truly is ready. Now that you advance to like a semifinal, and he's putting the pressure on him too. He's coming out on TikTok or Twitter, whatever he's coming out on, doing those dunks from the sideline yep. where he's going 360 on him. He's he's putting the heat on him. He's making the crowd kind of push for him a little bit. I'm just gonna tell you, if they put Zion in there, even in a limited capacity, the the Suns do not have the bodies to put mm-hmm. on him. He he will have a field day in the paint. He could do whatever he wanted to. Every rebound's going his way. They they <laughs> yes. could finish them off. He could be the finishing move for them. Uh, and if, I get he's they, the franchise. You want to play it safe, but I, I don't think they'll do it in the first round. But if they advance, yeah, it's going to be interesting I, how that plays out. They got to do it in the first. I don't care. You can't play for tomorrow. <laughs> what like, your dynasty owner all of a sudden, Pierre? What are you doing? A dynasty yeah, guy. Tell you how they think. You got David Griffin there, and yeah, you can't risk him jazz. leaving. So. <laughs> Mavericks had Jazz. 1-1. This series is tied up 1-1. If the Jazz lose this series, I just the guy, they, they, I don't know. I'd want to leave there. If they lose this series, <laughs> you know, the Mavericks have no shot at this one. I mean, Luka's coming back, so they, they have a shot because they yeah. won without Luka. Well, he's, supposed I, to be, he's, he's questionable now. He's upgraded to questionable. And if he's back, you know, they have a chance because he's okay. that good. Okay, I'll I'll grant you that. If they should have been finishing them off, it should be two nothing. What are they, they doing allowing the Mavs? Exactly, that, that's ridiculous. I would just, oh, where's the heart? Where's the hustle? Where's the muscle? Warriors at Nuggets. Warriors lead this series two nothing. I'm surprised by this one. I am surprised by this one to some degree. I I, I, I how do you beat Jokic? I I don't know how you're how you're doing that. Jokic is a machine. How is he not dominating <laughs> the paint? He didn't have any help. And you gotta think that Golden State. You know, Draymond Green's one of the better defenders in the NBA, and he doesn't get enough credit for it. I know he's not big. He's not like your big center, but he's an excellent defender. He knows how to use his body. He knows how to use leverage, uh, play defense there in Michigan State for Tom Izzo. So he knows how to defend. You know, Kerr knows how to coach, and their offense is just ridiculous. When when they're healthy, you got Curry, you got Clay, Jordan Poole, you know, has now been adopted as a, a splash brother. Uh, I thought Phoenix was probably going to win the West uh, with a healthy Booker, but looking at Golden State now, and this is what Curry coming off the bench currently, they they could be right back in the finals after one year removed if they if they can get healthy, stay healthy. Uh, they're going to be tough to beat with the defense that they do play and just the 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 plethora of threes and offense that they can rain down on a team. Yeah, the Nuggets do seem a little bit shorthanded there going into mm-hmm. it. And you kind of look at it and go, oh, man, Jokic is going to get that one. And, and then he's nowhere to be found. I mean, he's just he, 
I'm not going to say he's invisible out there, but yeah. you're right. Draymond Green is doing the Dennis Rodman kind of thing, and it just doesn't seem like Jokic is able to to man up on him. I, I don't know how that is. It just it seems weird. Well, the Nuggets aren't that good. I mean, without yeah. without you got Murray, who's yeah. probably their second best players hurt. Michael Porter Jr.'s hurt, so they just don't have the depth to, to hang with the Warriors. We say Monte Morris is not the guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, Grizzlies at Timberwolves tied at one-one on this one. Uh, <laughs> it's weird to see the Timberwolves in the playoffs to start with <laughs> because I'm just thinking about how they are a last place finisher each year. And Memphis, though, they're they're right there with them. I. This was a terribly disappointing game, I think, for Minnesota fans last night. I think the Grizzlies can get this one, but it wouldn't shock me if the T-Wolves just start you know, hitting them, hitting them, hitting them, all the three-pointers that they take, and end up this game ends up going seven. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota played them really well in the regular season. Like, they probably played them the best of any team in the regular season. I think they won three or four, if not all four, uh, in the regular season. So it was good to see Memphis kind of, you know, come out. I like them, young. You know, the grit and grind, I believe they're their little slogan there. And fun, you know, John Morant. They're a fun team to watch. I, I think Memphis will, will be able to pull it out. I think they, they have the more talented team. Uh, but Minnesota's not going anywhere. They got young talent, too. You got Cat, You got Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell. So they, they kind of match up really well with the Grizzlies. So it's going to be a, a dogfight. Um, I do think Memphis's talent will overcome. Uh, and I think that that game one that they lost at home was kind of a wake up call for a young team that had a really good season and, and probably thought they were untouchable there for a bit. Pierre at Pee Wee 31. I know you're a big baseball fan. I know you like baseball. That's one of the things that we had in common as well. We were both Cubs fans, which is, That's a, right. a, a, you know, we, we both shared the World Series title together a little yes, bit there, yes. which was which was very special. We also shared the destruction of a world series team <laughs> one piece at a time it, it felt like yeah. it so we're talking about baseball now over here mm-hmm. on mlb we're going to look at the standings and we're going to look at the league leaders over here uh at standings al east boston new york toronto all a three-way tie tampa bay is just a half game back and baltimore still hanging around at two and a half games back anything there surprised you pierre uh anybody there uh, just you know that you didn't expect to see at the top or anything not really. Um, you got the standard teams, <laughs> Red Sox, Yankees, uh, Blue Jays. Uh, I think they're they're all really good at the top. Tampa, they, they they seem to always be able to fill good teams for not a lot of money. Like they'll have a, a couple down years, yeah. but I don't know if it's their farm system or what, but they, they always seem to fill uh, a solid team. But I think that's going to be kind of the, the race is going to be those, those, probably those three. I think Tampa will, will fade a bit. It'll be uh, Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays. Uh, I'll probably lean Blue Jays right now, uh, given the talent that they have. Uh, Garrett Cole has looked awful. I think he may have even went on the the IL for the Yankees. So I think I lean Blue Jays, but no, I'm not shocked by what I see so far. Uh, Weird to see. I don't say weird, but the Baltimore Orioles are minus 13 in run differential. They have scored 24, but they've let up 37. (laughs) So that's that's a big thing. And you can pick on them. They're one of the great uh, strikeout teams. They they strike out a lot. So whenever you're looking to stream pitchers on DFS stuff, uh, stream them against the Baltimore Ravens, or at least pick them against the White Sox and the Cleveland. Who? Uh, oh, Orioles! You said Ravens. <laughs> did I say Ravens? Baltimore Ravens. It makes it three sports. The Baltimore is their is their basketball team. 
Over in the AL Central, the White Sox and the Cleveland Guardians are tied for the league lead or the top there at the AL Central. Kansas City's a game back. Detroit's one and a half games back. And Minnesota, who I think has a terrible team, are two games back right now. And people are dropping like flies in Minnesota right now. When we, uh, when we look at this one, I think that those two teams, the most surprising thing I think out of all these guys right here is the run differential and the amount of runs scored that the Cleveland Guardians have put up. I don't know if that's because of pitching, if that's because of hitting. We talked about Quan last week, but also uh, they got straw there at the top of the lineup. And man, mm-hmm. up here, you know what I did? I had the first pick. They stuck me with the first pick in our redraft home league. Yeah. I picked, Jose, I picked Jose Ramirez. Nice. I, I did nice. because you... The, the amount of steals that he gives you year in and year out, I don't think he has one this year. He may have one or something like that, but not a lot. From a third baseman standpoint, you can't find that anywhere else. And so I, I kind of looked at that like a Travis Kelsey, a Mark Andrews, just the amount of targets that they that they had and how they separated themselves. I looked at that the same way this year with Jose Ramirez and the steals. That's what. So I took him, and he has been lighting it up. He has, he has, and they're they're kind of a. He's the one that they. They invested in, you know, they had him, they had Lindor, you know, they had their own World Series team uh, sure. that lost to the Cubs that they kind of blew up. But he was the he was the mainstay that they kept. Uh, they they just signed him to a big extension. He's 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 earning it right now because he's he's raking and his whole team's just, you know, putting up big runs. Uh, you know, they had the Royals that they put up against the Reds. So I'm not sure if it's the competition, but I mean, you even look at the, the White Sox, they put up 11. Yeah, it was Dallas Keuchel, but they're they're able to get hot and get the bats hot, and we'll see if their their uh, pitching can can kind of get you know going a bit. I know Shane Bieber's gotten off to a slower start than they probably like. Uh, their bullpen's not that great. I do think the the White Sox are the the team in this division, uh, but they got to put some wins together themselves. You know they've lost back to back to the Guardians, but I think long term it'll still be the White Sox. But I'm not sure the Guardians are going anywhere. I also saw this as a division with really weak pitching. Uh, I passed the first guy. There were Kansas City, Detroit, Minnesota. Come on. There was no pitchers. So I figured that that was going to be. And also Ramirez's, his ISO, his contact, if it ever caught up to his Babbitt or his Babbitt ever caught up to those two things, his Babbitt last year was like 270 or 280 something. And it should have been 340, 350, uh, which is uh, indicative of your batting average and everything. And I said, man, if he could ever hit the ball. And he's always been a little <laughs> Babbitt guy like that. But if his yeah. Babbitt ever caught up to his other stats, it was going to be on fire. So that's why I picked Cleveland uh, or Jose Ramirez, anyways. Um, yeah, it makes sense. And I think pitching will ultimately went out. That's why I like the White Sox. They still got Giolito. Uh, they got Dylan Cease, who was a part of the, the Cubs trade for Quintana when they got Aloy Jimenez. Uh, they got Michael Kopech, if he could stay healthy. Not sure why they, they let Carlos Rodon get away. Uh, he's out there in San Francisco, Dylan uh, himself. But that's, that's just why I feel the White Sox will eventually rise to the top is, is their pitching staffs. I feel better. The Los Angeles Otanis are on top of the AL, AL West, seven and five, and you got Houston, Seattle, and Oakland all in second place, a half game back, looking up, and then Texas, who I thought and, and they, I thought they've they've scored some runs, at least whenever I've kept my eye on them, they scored some runs, but they are sitting at two and eight right now, four games back already, <laughs> which is not a great thing, minus fourteen in the run differential, but uh, we're looking at this. I don't know how a- the Angels are doing this right now. I, I really don't. I'm not impressed by the team whenever I looked at their lineup, mm-hmm. their depth chart up and down, but they are. They're doing it. Madden's pulling off his magic. 
Yeah, I don't get it either because I think it was it's a handful of games in. I'm like, how can this team not win? You know, you have Mike Trout, you have Otani, uh, Anthony Rendon, and they they can't win. And all of a sudden, they've they kind of strung some games together uh, where they're starting to to win a bit. I think Trout's already hurt hurt his hand or wrist or something mm-hmm. along those lines. But you speaking of strikeouts, like they're one of the highest you know in strikeout rate themselves. I've been picking on them myself and in DFS as a strikeout team in addition to the Orioles. Uh, but seven and five, you know, they find themselves uh, above at the, a- the ALS. I'm not sure they'll have much competition. Uh, you, you would think the Astros, you know, could get going a bit, but, you know, they, they lost a guy like Correa, Miles Straw. They lost some talent themselves. We'll see if the Mariners can can kind of do what they did last year and get going a bit. But it's going to be tight in the, the ALS. I don't think a team really separates themselves uh, the Rangers have to be disappointed with the two and eight start. They went out, spent a lot of money on Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon. So uh, not sure if it was money well spent starting two and eight. Uh, but again, early in the season, early in the year, a lot can happen. Teams can get hot, get on runs, and the weather warms up. The the ball starts flying out a little bit more. So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, Oakland is the most surprising team. I looked at their offense. I looked at their batting lineup, and I giggled at the beginning of the year, and I just laughed at them. I was like, ah, that's the worst team in baseball. They are plus 14 in run differential right now. Uh, they mm-hmm. scored 60, gave up 46. They are half a game back. Seven and six is their record. So I, Oakland really surprised me. In the NL East, the Mets are tied for the best record in baseball at nine and three right now with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Washington, who are they this year? Nationals? Generals? What They're are they? Nationals. Okay, Washington Nationals, uh, Atlanta, Atlanta Braves, Miami Dolphins, uh, Miami Dolphins, here I go, Miami Marlins and Philadelphia Phillies are all right there together. Uh, Mets are 9-3, and three, Washington 6-7, and seven, Atlanta 6-8, and eight, Miami and Philadelphia down there at the bottom, 4-6 and six and 5-8 and eight, respectively. I, I expected more out of Philadelphia, but those bats started heating up today. I think Schwarber hit a bomb, Castillo yeah, hit a bomb today. Uh, they're, Two they're, former they're, Cubs, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Two former Cubs. Uh, I like them both. I know Castellanos is more of a short term, but I, I like them even Detroit. Obviously, Schwarber's an IU guy, so I've been riding with him since day one. But yeah, you got to think those Philly bats are, are going to have to eat up because they're, they're loaded. We mentioned them. Uh, obviously, they got Bryce Harper. You got Reese Hoskins, JT Romuto. It's just on paper, that's a really dangerous lineup. Not sure what their their pitching is going to be doing. Yeah. Uh, haven't really had the the great start with pitching, so we'll see how that plays out. Their their staff's not terrible. Uh, they have solid pitchers. I think Eflin went today. Uh, you got other guys like Pavetta. So we'll we'll see how it plays out. But I, I think the Phillies will will warm up a bit. Uh, those bats will probably have to carry them some. But the the Mets are a team that you're going to have to deal with. Uh, they're they're pretty solid. Uh, really throughout, you know, they got a good lineup with obviously big Pete Alonzo. Uh, I expect Lindor to have a, a better year than he had last year. Sterling Marte, Escobar, good bats there. They got Chris Bassett from the A's. Uh, he's been an ace for them so far as well. So I like him. We'll, we'll just see how that year continues to progress. But I, I think they'll be solid. I think they'll still be there at the end of the year. I'm ready for DeGrom to come a closer. I mean, I'm just honest. I'd love to watch him play, but I'd like to watch him play. All right. Yeah. I would. I would love to watch him pitch from the first inning on. But I would just assume watch him take over like a Kerry Wood role and just go ahead and come in here in the ninth, buddy, or the long eighth or something like that. Just come on in here and let's get it done. Uh, they don't. I'm not. I'm not sure that they need his pitching. They are plus twenty nine in run differential. They've only allowed thirty runs this season. Thirty runs. That's nothing. That's that's very little. 
Pierre, uh, compared yeah, to the rest of the I mean, league. He's still good to have when he's healthy. So. I know, but, I know, but, but we'll let's, see, let's keep we'll him healthy. See. And they got, you know, Scherzer now, too. So, we'll, I mean, they got a staff. They, they have a chance. That's what I'm saying. They should be at the top at the end of the year. Yeah, you'd hope he could stay healthy, but it's really hard when those guys are pitching the way they do and, you yeah. know, that, the arm angles and how fast that's coming off. You know, injuries seem to be a, a thing because it's just a new breed. These aren't your Nolan Ryan you know, pitchers that are, you know, durable and laying it out. These these guys got so much torque and, you know, just different movement and motion that it, it's kind of hard for some of these guys to stay healthy, honestly. You talked about those bats in Philadelphia, and something that I read the other day is that this is the lowest home run total that the league has had this far into the season. I don't, I don't want to say in history, but for a long time, for, for a very long time. Hmm. And even when you factor in the weather, the guy factored in the weather, the guy factored in this, the guy factored in that. And it's the lowest home run total or home run percentage that any that we've ever had in the major leagues at this time. Uh, and it's kind of indicative, he gave statistics, of what the rest of the year will provide, too, where home runs are just going to be at a premium unless, of course, they switch out the bucket of balls. And they bring in those hot balls again. You know, you never know what the Major League Baseball is going to do and, and which kind of balls that they're going to use. But right now, it looks like home runs are going to be at a tremendous premium for the rest of the year. So if you can find those home run hitters, it might be one of those things in fantasy baseball to be able to stock up on right now while there's not any hitting home runs in hopes that they, you know, the 30, the 40 will be way more than somebody else has. Yeah, I think it'll, I think it'll improve. Uh, you look just around the the U.S. the the weather has just been awful, um, and that's what's tough with, with baseball. Like early in the season, you get rain outs, you get snow outs. Yeah. Um. So that's gonna play a part. Like the the baseballs don't fly when it's cold outside, and and that's where it is throughout a lot of these you know stadiums. If you're not indoors, you know you're playing a lot of these. You know New York. You know you got the Yankees, you got the Mets, you know Pirates, both Chicago teams, all these teams, Detroit. There's just so many locations throughout the U.S. where it's still cold and rainy and just not good, you know, baseball hitting weather. Once that changes, if, you know, spring finally kicks in here, you'll start to see that turn around. And then obviously when the summer comes, the balls will start flying out of the park. So just keep that in mind. Like winter's lasted longer than it usually (laughs) lasts. You may not know that down in Alabama, but I realize that here. In Indiana, no. we were in April. It was Monday, April 18th. There was snow on the ground, and I cried inside. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just saying the guy factored that stuff in. I don't know what that means, but he factored yeah. it. Maybe maybe he thinks that maybe it's like the, the gopher showing his shadow or seeing his shadow, that it's going to be a colder <laughs> fall, too, or something like that. So he's just factoring <laughs> yes. it all in. Uh, NL Central, St. Louis is on top at 6-3. and three. Milwaukee, 8-5. and five. Cubs at 6-5. and five. Pittsburgh, 5-7. and seven. Cincinnati at 2-11. and 11. Pittsburgh. Uh, Cincinnati's just got a terrible team. Minus 37 in run differential. Have only scored 37 runs. Have allowed 74 runs, Pierre. We're looking at the worst team in baseball right there in this division. So uh, the Cubs need to to mount up here and get over the top of those Cardinals real quick. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with the the Reds. Like They they had a solid team. Then they they let Castellanos walk. They traded away Winkler. Uh, just left old Joey Votto there for some reason. But, <laughs> hey, man, yeah, the Cubs have been surprising. <laughs> we, we talked about, you know, things that are, are kind of shocking there. And you look at the, the Cubs, I think they're right there with the, the A's. You know, you look at the lineup. And really, I know we know them because we're Cubs fans, but your your average fan aren't going to know a lot of those in the Cubs lineup. Uh, Seiya Suzuki has been wonderful. 
uh, great acquisition so far. But, you know, your Frank Swindells, your Patrick Wisdoms, uh, Nick Mandrigo, who we got in the, the Craig Kimball trade. People don't know those guys, but they're they're hitting. They're, they're striking out less than those KBs, Anthony Rizzo's, Javi Bias teams. So, I mean, we'll see. I don't, I don't think they'll really be competitive. Great start. I think they'll, they'll obviously fizzle out a bit because they really didn't spend money outside of Strowman and Suzuki. Uh, but, yeah, it'd be nice to catch the Cardinals, uh, who I, I do think will probably ultimately uh, win the division, unfortunately. But you never know. Things can happen. Uh, the Brewers are, are right there as well. It looks like Yelich is, is starting to, to turn the corner again. I think the Brewers have the best pitching staff with Corbin Burns and, you know, Brandon Woodruff, uh, Peralta. Uh, but, again, long season, 162 games. Cubs, you know, could, could shock some folks if they continue to just get hits in, in timely fashion. Uh, I think it goes a long way. But the, the Cardinals and the Brewers are probably the two that are going to be fighting it out then. In the NL West, the Dodgers are nine and three. Colorado eight and four. San Diego nine and five. San Francisco at seven and four. And Arizona <laughs> down there at the bottom three and eight. I've been picking on them a little bit as well. Uh, Arizona has only twenty two runs scored for Arizona so far this year. And when I look at this, I also look at San Francisco as only pitching, only giving up twenty eight runs, which I believe is the lowest in the major leagues. Uh, I never suspected San Francisco's defense or their pitching staff to be that good and i never thought arizona's offense would be that terrible but i guess when you got varsho leading off you can't expect a whole lot well he he hit a three-run homer tonight i think they got 11 runs tonight actually so that's going to go up a little bit but yeah the the giants i mentioned it so one of their their biggest acquisitions was carlos rondon from the the white Sox, and he's been dealing i know he's put up from a fantasy standpoint like 30 plus in his first two games so you got to think about that. They're in a, a pitching park uh, out there in San Francisco as well. So they're, they got solid, like Logan Webb, he's a solid pitcher for them also. They got a pretty good staff. If their bats can do anything, it's going to be the, the key uh, there for San Francisco. That and It's a tough division. You know, the Dodgers, we know, are going to be there. They spent all the money to be there. So their lineup stacked. Uh, the Padres, you know, they're still hanging on. Good pitching staff. Uh, in addition to, you know, the fact they're doing this without Tatis right now. So if they get healthier, you got to expect the Padres to be up there. I'm not sure the Rockies are going to hang on. Uh, good start for them right now. Obviously, they they went out and got Chris Bryant. Uh, C.J. Crone's like crushing the ball uh, here to start the season for them. I, I do think they'll kind of fade away a bit. But Dodgers, Padres, Giants, I think they'll, they'll be a tough division. They'll, they'll kind of fight each other out. Uh, to see who can actually make it to the postseason, might get two teams in uh, as well. We'll see what, what what takes place out of this NLS. We don't have a lot of time to go over the league leaders, Pierre, but we will try and do it as quickly as we can. Wander Franco is leading the league with uh, singles or hits uh, with 20. Matt Olson. Matt Olson switched teams, went and tried <laughs> to replace Freddie Freeman's shoes, and he has 20 hits. He's doing a fine job at doing so. Manny Machado, who's been on fire. Jose Ramirez, Josh Bell, Hausmer, C.J. Crone that you just mentioned. That's a little surprising to me. He's stepping up to the plate. He's doing a better job than what he had in years past. I'll tell you, though, the sleeper out of this top of the page here on leading the league in hits, Marcelo Zuna. I, I didn't think that he'd be able to come back the way he did. He's always been one of those guys to me that mm-hmm. I thought mentally, I, I wondered whether or not he could handle the game with the offseason issues that he's had in the past uh, this past year where, of course, he was suspended. Coming back, mm-hmm. he stepped right in. He hasn't missed a lick, it doesn't seem like. He hasn't. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of drama. Uh, we won't get into that there. But, you know, you look at him and, and Olsen, the same team, both, you know, kind of helping the Braves 
make up for that loss of, of Freddie Freeman there, but we'll see if he can keep it going. I've always liked him against left-handed pitching myself, uh, but we'll, we'll see. Again, long season, uh, but good start for him. Uh, it might be a, you know, release. You know, oftentimes you, you have things going on in your personal life. Uh, taking the field can be that release to, to kind of keep things in the back of your mind, and that could be what he's doing right now, and maybe it's helping him kind of focus himself you know, on the field itself uh, versus what he has in his personal life. Leading the league in home runs is C.J. Crone with six. C.J. Can, can you believe he's it? crushing. He's crushing. Crone. Yeah. Ozzie Albies is second with five. How, what the Ozzie? Nolan Arenado, he's coming back. St. Louis, he's got five. Vladimir Guerrero, five. I think he got those all in one game. And there's a guy <laughs> here, Brandon Belt. I don't know. It depends on what league you're in. It depends on everything like that. Brandon Belt with four. He might be out there on a waiver wire. He might be out there on a waiver wire because people just don't ever like to tighten up their Brandon Belt very often. Mm-hmm. But he's he's one of those guys, man, who if he lives up to the potential that he has, he could be one of those power sources that I was talking about earlier. Ozuna Perez, Profar, there's a lot of people. Profar, I, do you think he's going to stick around at the top of the no, leaderboard? No, he would not. <laughs> but keep in mind, like, you, you named also these guys. So you look at, like, Chrome, he's, he's in Colorado where the altitude is. Look at Albies, you know, him and, and Ozuna are in Atlanta. You know, it's warmer in Atlanta than it is up north. Uh, Guerrero, you know, Toronto plays in a dome. Uh, I know some of that was, I think, in Boston where he was just crushing there. Maybe it's the Yankees. Maybe that was out in New York. But you got these guys, even San Diego, those are more warm weather type of field. So, again, I think that things are going to pick up a bit uh, once these teams uh, get into warmer weather type of situations. Well, and not only that, uh, with C.J. Crone leading the league in home runs and doing all well, really well in hits, I don't. I think Colorado's played one series out of Colorado so far this year. I, yeah. I could be wrong. Maybe it was two, but I think it was just one. Uh, so that that's going to have a lot to do with it as well. RBIs, Jose Ramirez sitting there with 20. We talked about those Guardians scoring a lot of runs. C.J. Crone, Pete Alonso, Nolan Arenado. Uh, Seth Brown, that's the surprising name to me right there in mm-hmm. the middle of the mix. He's got 11. He's got a lot of strikeouts too, 14 strikeouts. But he's got a lot of RBIs if you're looking for RBIs. And Brandon Marsh, Pierre, who is a Brandon Marsh? <laughs> he's a he's a lefty for the Angels. He's he's pretty good. I once he's an outfielder, I know it because I, I tend to like to to go with him, Otani, and Walsh. Uh they're the lefties in that Angel lineup that I, I like to stack them up quite a bit. But yeah, uh I know Marsh, he's the the outfielder there for the Angels, left handed bat, so definitely familiar with him. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we got our guy C.A. Suzuki as well with eleven. Right. I, I I I can't. It's got to balance out. It's got to balance out with C.A. Uh, strikeouts, <laughs> leading the league in strikeouts, Pierre. I like to do this. Dansby Swanson. Oh, I have too many <laughs> shares of Dansby Swanson. He's got the league lead, twenty-two strikeouts. Hey, Dansby, Dansby, we might need a trip over to the the, the eye doctor. OK, <laughs> we, just, we might need a trip over there just to make sure everything's OK. I'm serious. I like to keep it simple, Pierre. And I think that that might be a possibility. You never know. You just never know. Yeah, you never know for sure. It's been tough. I actually saw a clip because uh, they're out in Los Angeles. And I think it was Freddie Friedman's son went running up to him to give him a hug. And initially I just thought, oh, I, I miss you, Dansby. Why is giving the hug? But maybe he's consoling him from oh, all the strikeouts that he's had. Come on, man. <laughs> Uh, Joe Adele's there at 20. Aquino is at 20, and Joey Votto is at 20. That could be one of the reasons why the Cincinnati Reds <laughs> do not have a lot of runs on the board. So we'll just keep our eye on that one. Duvall, Stanton, Adams. I think Stanton is always on top of the strikeout leaderboard. <laughs> so 
Yeah, he'll be with home runs too, but he's he's gonna have strikeouts to go with him. Stolen bases. Let's see who's Louis Robert. He's still up there on top of the board. I think he was on top of the board. And then Steven Duggar. Steven Duggar with four. Mm-hmm. Robert with five. I, I know it's Robert. I, I, I know. I know. I like Robert. <laughs> I like Robert. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, the rookie, he started to run a whole lot more. Got four mm-hmm. miles straw stuck at four. And then Cody Bellinger with three. Co- yeah, Cody, he's got to make up for his bat not doing as much as it was. But he's, he's starting to warm up a bit. And I'm pulling for him. I know he had that big, you know, MVP type season. Then he just fell off the map, kind of similar to Yelich, but it looks like he's starting to warm up. He's starting to get confidence back, and part of that's going to be on the base running path as well. So uh, I'm not a big Dodgers fan, but I, I don't like to see guys who I feel like are talented struggle. So I'm hoping he can put it all together. Oh, I can understand that. Who in the world would want to see somebody struggle like that in root form? Uh, I, I kind of do if it's Cardinal. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> I kind of do if it's Cardinal. No, I don't. Pierre, good job. We covered a lot of people. We covered a lot of places. We'll go over pitching at some point. It's still a little bit too early. People only got two or three starts under their belt, you know, so we'll we'll give them a little bit of time to warm up. You talk about some people who have struggled earlier in the year. It feels like pitchers have really struggled. We've talked about Garrett Cole and different people like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe everything will get loosened up here from this shortened, uh, what was a spring training. So hopefully yeah. things will do that. Good job, Pierre. Way to be prepared. Way to get ready. And uh, we'll do it again next week. We usually come at you on Wednesdays or Thursdays. We're trying to make sure we get it. Maybe Maybe Tuesdays. We're just making sure we're getting it in here before the end, the beginning of the football season. We do the DFS Streamer podcast where we go over all the DFS lineups and the DF, the main slate, I guess it is, over there on DraftKings. We break that down for you. Unlike any other show is what I've heard, Pierre. Unlike any other show. Yeah, I like that. It's probably legit because we, we have good banter and it's it's unique. I've heard it from some of the listeners. Uh, just uh, the comedic value and I think just the you uh, and your, I don't even know how to put it, but you're unique in your own ways with your really? dime contest and just the way you're just honest about what you know and what you don't know. I think that just really comes through as authentic and a lot of people appreciate that. Well, you know, when the Baltimore Ravens start playing basketball, you know, you got to. When Lamar Jackson's striking out, I mean, you got to play him in your lineup. <laughs> when Joe Flacco is leading the league in steals. Oh, boy, there it is. Joe Flacco. I feel like that, like Pee Wee Herman, where it's like the magic word whenever you say Joe Flacco. <laughs> there it was like, ah! <laughs> I never watched Pee Wee Herman, Pierre. Never. Okay. Hey, make sure you follow my guy, Pierre. Let's get him over 10,000 by next week. That'd be, that'd be he'd have something to talk about. Uh, at Pee Wee. At Wee 31 over on Twitter. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. If you'd like to see some of my uniqueness on Twitter, you can follow me as well, at Loafnet. We will have a big announcement next week. I've already I've already sent the paperwork in here. We'll have a big announcement next week, and we'll have a new addition to the show, I think, next week as well. Not a person, just a new segment, maybe a new segment to the show as we uh, keep struggling along here to try and find out how to podcast, like you said, you did not know how to do, and I still do not know how to do. So we'll keep doing that <laughs> Very good job, my friend. Thank you for joining me, and I will see you again next week. And always, we want to encourage everyone out there to find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 